Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more info, you can check us out on Facebook at Life Church of Columbia. See, a lot of, a lot of people see the glory, but you don't know the story. Uh, I mean, you see, you see a young, young man standing at the altar and the gifts manifest and God does what he has to do but you never know someone you would never understand the glory until you've known the story that's why you can't judge somebody's story by the chapter you went in their lives because David in one season he smelt like a shepherd but in another season he was a king in one season Jesus was crucified but on the next season, he was sitting at the right hand of the Father. I came to tell your haters, just because you came into a season of my life where things looked at backtracked it, you ought to wait another chapter, baby. Because it... That's why Jesus is, a, the Bible says he's the author and what? Finisher of our faith. You don't know what that means author what does an author do he writes what does a finisher do he finishes now notice this when you read an author what when you read a book and an author signs it what 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 it means by him signing the book is this that you can read it but you can never interrupt it if jesus is the author of your book that means the enemy can read it but he can't interrupt it Oh, you ought, you ought to shout better than that. I said the enemy's mad because he came into your story of life and he can read what happened, but he can't determine the outcome. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes, have you ever been outcast? Have you ever felt not capable? That's me. Have you ever felt like life has given you all reasons to not believe? You know, I had somebody, I had an interview, almost went on CNN, but thank God I did it. But Larry King, you know who Larry King is, right? So one of, one of his uh, writers... They went out to one of one of my uh, events, massive event for four or five thousand people. And I remember my mother had uh, passed. It, this was a year ago. And he comes up to me and says, "What are you gonna? What's your answer now? How do you preach people to life? And the thing you love dies." What now? What about your God now? And I said, what I said I think is going to bless you tonight. I told them, I'd rather serve God with all of my questions than not serve Him and have all the answers. I'm going to say that again. I said, I'd rather serve God with all of my questions 
than not serve him and have all the answers. Church goer, whatever you are, I don't know what. See, because you understand, I, I get in the realm where people, they're not even believers. I got invited to, uh, I was younger, I'm, I'm 32 now, but I was about 26 years old, just starting ministry. And I remember, you can sit, you can sit, you can sit. I'm going to chat with you for a bit. Is that okay? We're not live, are we? We're not. Okay, good. Thank God you came out. Because I really gave out the best for the last. <laughs> no, I know. I'd rather keep it intimate like that. Is it okay if, we, if I open my heart with you today? Is it okay? You guys... <laughs> They're just, they, they want, they want God. I mean, it's so genuine. Praise God. I, uh, I started to minister, and then uh, as I started to teach, he says, man, this guy comes up to me and says, uh, where, where'd you go to school? I mean, so much wisdom. Uh, I said, I've never been to school. And he goes, would you mind accepting an invitation? And I go, of course. But I, he says to a college, and I told him, I don't have a degree. I'm not a professor. I mean, he says, just come out. And when I come out there, it was 250, uh, it was a science, uh, a science school, a, a college, a science college. 250 students were going to graduate. And before, the uh, day before, he sends out uh, what, what we have to speak on. And he says, we're going to give the apology of our faith. In other words, the expression of why we believe what we believe. And he invited four people. He invited an atheist. He invited, he invited a, a Muslim. He invited a scientist. And he invited me. So... The day comes, the atheist gets up there, and he starts to express how God doesn't exist. The Muslim gets up there and says how Muhammad is the way to God. Then the scientist gets up there and says, through science, how God didn't exist. I was the last one. I was so nervous. I was like, man, I'm not even a teacher. Why am I here? These guys are professionals. And I go up there, and the, the, the professor goes, he puts up a clock. And he says, you have 30 seconds. I was like, what? You didn't give nobody time but me. You know what he was trying to do was trying to embarrass me. So he puts 30 seconds up. You got 30 se seconds to express what you believe without taking out the Bible. I was like, oh, my God. What do I do now? Holy Ghost, help me. 30, 29, 28, the clock starts ticking. Don't use your Bible. I said, 15 seconds. I said, science says we need four things to live. It says we need food, tan, nine. He goes, hurry up. And I go, it says we need food, we need light, we need water. Somebody know what else? Air. Five seconds. 
heir. Jesus says, I am the breath of life. Food, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Light, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. What's the other one? Water, Jesus said, I am the fountain of living water. So what science is saying, we need Jesus to live. <laughs> All of a sudden, 10 of those kids get up and say, that's the true God. They give their life to Christ. What, have, you ever, have you ever stood in front of an atheist? I remember one of my meetings, I stood before one and he said, you know, atheists have, uh, you know, they, they have a space. They're always talking about space, matter, and what? Time. Have you ever? Yeah. They're always talking about those three, space, matter, and time. And he sat before me, and he started to, we just started to conversate. Because when you know the truth, you're not contending for people to know your God. I said, you don't have to defend God. He'll defend himself. Because truth, truth is like a lion. You don't have to defend it. Just let it loose. It'll defend itself. We started to have a conversation about an hour. He starts, yeah. yeah, but space, matter, and time. I said, did you know that in the first, in the first words of the Bible, space, matter, and time was revealed? In the beginning, space. In the beginning, time. There you go, time. What do they say? Time, space, and matter, right? In the beginning, time. God created space, heaven and earth, matter. There it is. Time, space, and matter. In the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. Don't tell me God don't exist. You know what I told them? I said, what I believe is that if you express God, you don't have to explain God. Because your expression of God will explain it by himself. I don't got to explain God. You're seeing him expressing how I live. Come on, somebody. If, you, if you're worried about explaining God, it means that you're not expressing God. Because sometimes all you got to do is express him. And your expression will explain him. Come on, somebody. Say, I'm tired of trying to explain God. I'm about to express God. How do I express God? God, when I love my neighbor, when I love my hater, when I give my meat, oh, come on, somebody. When I, yeah. yeah. When you learn how to express them, you will never have to explain them. So if you're finding yourself having to explain them, that means you're not expressing them. <laughs> but in this kingdom stuff, you know, you've been in church and raised in religion, and sometimes you're forced to do something. But you got to understand something about God. He will never force something on you because he's a gentleman. The Bible says that you have to believe that he is. So in other words, what's the first step to receiving something from God that you believe? That you believe. Say, they say that I believe. That's why in the purpose of God, even Judas has a plan. So that I teach it or preach it. 
I said, even Judas is a part of your plan. Now, and you can say, how is a hater a part of your plan? How is a betrayer a part of your plan? Oh, yes, he is. <laughs> you know why Judas is part of the plan? Let me tell you, church people, something. There is no prayer, faster, prophet, pastor, apostle, or none of that that can kill Judas. What is a Judas? Somebody that makes your life impossible. There's none of that can, that can kill Judas. No faster, no prayer circle, none of that. You know why none of that kills Judas? Because he'll end up killing himself when he takes you to the purpose. Because if he don't take you to the tomb, you don't resurrect. Oh, my God. That's why Jesus said, what you're going to do, do it now. Because the quicker you take me to the cross, the quicker I'll sit on the throne. Oh, you better tell somebody in this building right now. The quicker you kill me, the quicker I will resurrect. But you got to understand that Christianity is not so much on how you receive the blessing, but how you react to the oppression, how you react to your Judas. Because because character is eating with Judas, knowing he's going to betray you. But Judas teaches you one thing, that not everybody that kisses you loves you. So in church, in the pews, you're going to have people that love you like John, but betray you like Judas. How do I know? See, 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 you got to understand. Once you know the story of somebody, and, 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 and it makes me go to Simon. I'm going to teach on that. Matthew 16, it says that the famous question was going around, who do people say that I am? Well, some say you're a prophet, others say. People are like, what do you like to be called? Angel. That's my name. Prophet is what I do. But I'm normal. If God don't give me your name, your birthday, I'm not going to be mad about that. Because I'm not into serve you. I'm into serving him. You know? So if he don't give me your birthday, I remember a guy. I, I walked over to a guy. And the Lord just, he's over here all serious. And I'm like, brother, I cannot pray for you. He goes, I go, he goes, why? I go, you don't believe. And he goes, yeah, sure enough, I don't believe. And God says, challenges unbelief. He said, I told him, so you can believe again and you will never doubt. 242-93-6310. He falls. I said, pick that man back up. He, when he picks, quickly picks him up. He's over here with tears in his eyes. I said, what was that number? He says, that's my social security. You ought to never doubt God. You heard me? <laughs> never doubt God. 12 years old. I'm a kid. And I'm dreaming, Pastor. Names. I'm dreaming people. I'm like, what is this? I don't want to be weird. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever felt like that? I don't want to be weird. I don't, people feel weird around me. Like, oh my God, he's going to tell me all the wrongs I'm doing. <laughs> he's going to tell me I was out clubbing last night. 
And I was out drinking last night. And hello from the other side. <laughs> but you got to understand that a prophet, should I say it or not? God will never. There's some people that have used the name of God, but God wasn't really in it. I need to set somebody free right now. There's some people that have used the name of God, and God wasn't even in the intended message of what they said, even though they used my name. Because God will never hurt you or destroy you. God will never, ever, ever destroy you. And Peter, th th there's this question going on. Who do people say that I am? Well, some people say you're a carpenter. Others say you're a prophet. And Jesus goes up to him and says, who do you say that I am? Matthew 16. S the Bible says, Simon answered, you are. Come on, church people. You are the Christ. Oh, look at what Jesus says. Jesus says, huh. you had said well, you are Simon, but you will be Peter. This intrigued me because I, I, I started to look at this in the afternoon. I promise you, I was watching the Eagles play football. Cowboys lost, so it was a great, great Sunday. <laughs> Somebody say Amen. <laughs> I was, I had the Bible open and I started looking. I said, why change his name? And I started to look and, and, and I started to study this in the afternoon. And the reason why God changed names in the Bible was, what, was he did it with the intention of changing their future. In other words, when he changed his name, he was trying to change his future. That's why as Abram, he was sterile. But as Abraham, he was father of nations. As Sarah, she was, she was burdened. She, she, could, she was barren. She couldn't have babies. But as, when he changed her name, she was a mother of nations. Oh, come on, somebody. As Saul, he killed Christians. But as Paul, he preached to Christians. Oh, come on. God's about to change somebody's name. You're not going to be called tears. You're going to be called triumph. You're not going to be called past. You're going to be called future. You're not going to be called cursed. You're going to be called blessing. If that's you in this building right now, lift the hand up and say, change my name. Change my name. God is in the business of changing your name. Changing your name. Say with me, change the name. Come on, say change the name. Change the name. Say change the name. Change the name. Say change it. Change it. Change it. Change it. Come on, somebody say change it. God's about to change your name. You're not going to be called what you used to be. You're going to be called what God said. You won't be called your past. You're going to be called your future. You're not going to be called yesterday. You're going to be called today because there's a principle that you ought to understand before I leave this region. It is this. Entrances to new seasons will require exits from old seasons. In other words, you can't say hi to tomorrow 
until you say goodbye to yesterday. You can't say hi to the future until you say goodbye to your past. You can't say hi to excellence until you say goodbye to mediocrity. Do I got at least two or three people that's ready to step into the new season and look at back and said, you didn't kill me, you just made me stronger. Are you ready to look at your past and tell your past what you didn't kill, you only made stronger. Somebody ought to look back and say, oh, if it wouldn't been for God, if God would have never made a way, oh, I would have never been here. If God would have never stepped in in my darkness, I would have never been alive. If God would have never been at the crack house, I would have never been here. If God would have never... Somebody ought to give God praise right now. If God would have never stepped in when drugs was going to kill me and the overdose came to destroy me, huh? somebody look at their past and say, I'm not where I used to be, but I'm not where I want to be. Let me tell you something. If there's people that can't get over your past, you don't need them in your future. Say it on this side. I said, if there's people that can't get over your past, you don't need them in your future. In other words, there's people disqualifying your potential in the future because they know something about your past. There's people that disqualify your potential in the future because they know something about your past. But you ought to tell somebody, God's not looking at my history to determine my destiny. I serve the God that does a new thing. I serve the God that don't got to look on Wikipedia on my ancestry and say, oh, he used to be this. He used to do that. Oh, because you serve the God that turns things around. My grandma was a witchcraft, but her grandson is a preacher of the gospel. I came to tell somebody, you don't have to be like your family. You don't have to be like your bloodline. The Bible says that when you accepted Christ, he made you the head and not the tail. He, he says, I got to change your name from Simon to Peter. Because Simon means something weak. Simon means weak, unstable, and flesh. Notice this. But Peter means strength. Spirit, notice this, the opposite. And stability. So Simon's means unstable, flesh, unstable, flesh, and Peter means stable spirit. So notice this. In other words, huh, he knows who he is in Peter. He knows who he is in Simon, but he still calls out a Peter. Because you serve the God that don't have to look at who you was to determine who you will be. Can you handle somebody's weakness and still see greatness? I'm going to say that again. Can you handle somebody's Simon and still see a Peter?
But he doesn't call out what he sees. Huh. He calls out what he's going to see. And he says, and upon this rock, I shall what? Build my church. So in other words, he knows that he's still in Simon. But he calls out something different than what he's seeing. Can you see somebody's potential while others see their pain? Can you see somebody else's blessing while they're still broken? That's our problem, church. We'll keep calling out Simon instead of seeing Peter's. But if you were grasp this word today and understand that the process of the prophetic, say it will be the process. Oh, I got a prophetic word. So what? Because a lot of people want the prophetic word, but they don't want the prophetic work. God spoke to me. I'm already a pastor. You don't even know how to follow. How can you be a leader? You can't have a pope if you can't sit at the pew. See, see, leadership is not how you receive the blessing. Leadership is developed on how you react to the burden. Huh. I came to teach you different. See, you think leadership is receiving the blessing. No, what qualifies you as a leader is not receiving the blessing. It's knowing how to react to the burden and still stand. If you want, ooh, let me say that again. If you want a title to call yourself a leader, all you want is, I'm losing people on that side. I said, if you want a title to be called a leader, all you want is a spotlight without surrender. All you want is, to, all you want is light. But you don't know how to act when you're in the dark. See, see, and God is not going to qualify your leadership and how you receive the light, but how you react when it's dark. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How do I know that somebody's loyal? When they have the opportunity to be unloyal and they're still... How do you know somebody's loyal? When they have the opportunity to be unloyal and they remain faithful. But if an, a greater opportunity changes your loyalty, that this side. If a greater opportunity changes your loyalty, that means you weren't after God for who He is. You're after that leader for what He can do and take you. If your loyalty changes because of an opportunity, you was never loyal. Yeah, loyal. He says, Simon Peter. Come on, say, say Peter, 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 Peter. Then in Luke chapter 22, verse 31 says. So notice, you don't know Bible, but I'm going to teach you. Matthew's first. 
Luke is after, right? Notice this. Luke 22, 31 says, Simon, Simon. Satan has asked me to sift you like, wait, hold on. I got a question to the text. Hold on. Yeah, put it up there. And the Lord says, Simon, hold up. I'm about to take out my filly in me. Hold on real quick. <laughs> Didn't Matthew say his name was Peter? Why is Luke calling him Simon? Is it Matthew first? Is the Bible contradicting itself? Why did Matthew say his name was going to be Peter? Why didn't Luke refer back to him as Simon? Because in Matthew, he was speaking to his identity. But in Luke, he was speaking to his action. In other words, instead of you acting like Peter, you keep acting like Simon. you're real enough and you're a Paul, where did Paul got knocked down from? Where he got knocked down at? On a high horse. Where was he at? Damascus. The road of what? Damascus. Do it in syllable. Damascus. Damascus. If you're just as real as I this is the everyday battle we face the Peter I want to be against the Simon I used to be the Peter of faith but the Simon of failure the Peter of purpose but the Simon of pain I want to be this but I can't stop being that I want to be the purpose of God, but I still want to come and toggle around with Simon. And spiritual adultery is being married to Christ and having hidden relationship with Adam. Oh, let me say that again. I said spiritual adultery is being married to the spirit and having hidden relationship with the flesh. You know what your problem is? That you can't give your heart to one and your hand to the other because You'll be you'll be surrendered to one, but the other. I'm preaching. All right. So you can submit to one and satisfy the other. Because when you're connected to Simon, you're still satisfying the flesh. Because you haven't submitted to the spirit. In other words, I don't know Peter enough to live in him. And even though Simon destroys me, I'd rather walk with a blindfold as long as I'm walking. Because Simon is something I do know. It's normal to me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Peter is unknown. But I came to understand that people prefer the security of slavery, slavery rather than the risk of freedom. I said people prefer the security of slavery than the risk of freedom. I know Simon slays me. And I know Peter can free me. But I don't know the Peter enough to trust that lifestyle. 
See, because in Simon, it's my way or the highway. And Peter, it's his way and no other way. And Simon, I can think in my mind. And Peter, I got to think with his mind. And Simon, it's my way. And Peter, is his way. You know you why you don't want to submit to Peter? Because you want it your way or the highway. Have you ever battled with a Simon? Thank you for listening to this Life Church podcast. 